This is Women Authors of Achievement Podcast, episode 56 with guest Laura Lewandowski. Hello everyone, I'm your host Daria Suvorova and welcome to today's episode. My guest today is Laura Lewandowski, the founder of media brand Smart Chiefs and co-founder of the YouTube show Meet Your Mentor. As one of the leading voices in the German digital scene, Laura writes on social media, her newsletter and as a columnist for Business Insider about new work, the creator economy and personal development. And this is what we're going to talk about, her successful career as a creator and journalist, self-optimization as a lifestyle and how Laura balances entrepreneurship and motherhood. I hope you really enjoyed today's conversation and make sure you subscribe to our newsletter via waa.berlin. It's a great pleasure to welcome you today, Laura, in the studio, and I'm grateful to be able to steal some of your time from your daughter. I can understand this is very precious and very special to me, so thank you for coming. Thank you so much for the invitation. So I actually wanted to get to know you a bit and get to know your path to journalism, to media. How did you find yourself in the media world and how did you felt that your heart was beating for writing, creating content, journalism? Like, tell me all about that. I think that story goes way back in my early childhood, to be honest. When I was seven years, my sister was born. Mm -hmm. And already back then, the first thing I did I was writing a little book for her and I was so excited about it. Yes, it was about a little grape growing on the wine yards and being in danger because the birds were coming and eating so all the grapes. Yes. And the little grape, which always felt very, I don't know, unseen and not as beautiful and red as the other grapes, was the only one which survived because it was so tiny and then there was lots of space because all the other grapes were eaten from the birds and it was the only grape left and um, turned to be out that it was the best wine that people could ever drink. Wow, that's a sense of creativity. I think, did your sister like appreciate the effort? <laughs> to be honest, I don't even know if she knows about the book. But I realized that back then there were like so many spelling mistakes, but I loved the book so much. And I always said to my mother, I want to be an author. I want to be a journalist. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it ever, it sticks ever since. And right. even like in high school, you know, where you have different courses like mathematics, sports, etc. I was very strong in German. I was always very creative and this was always my passion. Right. And when I dropped out of school, I did my degree I joined a journalism, it was like a more a magazine, but very tiny and also very boring topics, to be honest. Um, it was a lot about local politics and very tiny villages, but I loved it, you know, like whenever I went there, I got in touch with like all these people, no matter how big, how important they were or how little. I was even attending events like... I don't know, the cow of the village turned 10 years. Let's celebrate <laughs> it, you know. But whatever it was, I was always able to turn it into a good story. And I just love being a reporter, to be honest. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But your family had a different plan for you, huh? Not really a different plan. I think we have to distinguish here because they come from a very entrepreneurial background. I think ever, like even since the Second World War, for over... Yeah, when was it like 50 years ago, 60 years ago? That was not Second World War, but already six years ago, they started their own business in steel and metal trading. Mm -hmm. 
And for everybody around me, it was more like a no-brainer because they always said, yeah, of course, why would you not do it? It's like a nest. You can just go there, earn money, and it was good money, you know, right. the very Bavarian and down-to-earth mentality. Yeah, I mean, it would have been a very easy way, not to say that the job is always easy. Trading is not easy. But I never felt that calling because I told my dad, you know, I love journalism so much and there's nothing to debate. I'm not going into steel and metal trading. And he was like, you know what? Whatever you do, I will support you. My grandmother was always the one, or maybe you want to go to the company? But it's like, no. Yeah. And then the discussion was over. So, of course, for me, it was more like an internal question that always arises. And I was asking myself, should I go in the company for my parents? But yeah, deep down inside, it was never an option for me. And right. now looking back, I think I would have also been fun, you know, yeah. but... You never know. I mean, you can always of course, step, step into I it. I can also do a YouTube channel about steel and metal trading now. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be like a very niche topic. You know, that's a great thing to have you as a guest because you write a lot of your experiences and you're very transparent about what have happened and you always reflected on your life and that made you decide how you want to change certain directions. And I was reading like how hard you worked in your mid-20s to, you were like an overachiever, right? What was driving you back then? What did you had as a goal for yourself? And did you ever run into any kind of professional barriers or glass ceilings? As you reflect back, what was that time period for you? Yeah, so I think definitely one of the milestones I had when I was quite young, 24, um, I was accepted as a trainee or journalist um, at the German press agency. And working in a news agency is very hard and very time intense, you know. So when other people are sleeping and there will be, I don't know, terrorism attack or whatsoever, it's you to wake up and you work, you know. Um, of course, we don't work 24-7, but still, if there are like emergencies or any certain things in that direction, you have your shift and you will not go home because you will be the one waiting for the first news. Mm -hmm. And especially in times where with Twitter, you know, um, there are so many new challenges because everybody is able to self-publish news. Look at Trump, look at Elon Musk. He just said, I'm the chief of Twitter. I think this morning or yeah, last night. Yeah, something like so basically you have to be aware of everything online in the in the normal world. And um, I've traveled quite a lot. I've been in Brussels, in Frankfurt, in Berlin. And it was amazing, to be honest. I met Angela Merkel. I met um, <laughs> Stoltenberg from the NATO back then. Um, you know, I met so many like high profile politicians and CEOs. But... It was also very hard when it came to the topics itself. For me, there was not really a creative freedom because I had a very strict agenda. Of course, when I was writing my articles, mm -hmm. it was somehow creative, but there was always time pressure. Um, there were like only deadlines. I also, to be honest, felt that I was sitting in a world where like so many freaks in a positive way to be honest were sitting around me they were like obsessed with politics they were obsessed with economics and I was honestly forcing myself every morning to read this because I was like oh, I, I don't know like um, is this really important I was always questioning mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. just because people talk about it is it really important mm -hmm. just because we have to fill the news and the articles and the magazines is it really important and most of the topics they were so boring to me I was writing about things that never really matter to me 
And okay. that was causing somehow in a frustration because other people were telling me what to write about. And I think this was also one of the first times that I realized this triggers me not only because I want to be creative, but it also blocks my creativity. And that turned probably into overachieving other things because I was really in this my, my own rat race. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be out of this vicious circle. I wanted to free myself, but I didn't really know how to because nobody told me then. And back then, creator, I think that term didn't even exist. Right, right, um, right. I, it was almost like nine years ago, seven, eight years ago. So yes, I did so many things at the same time and I never really had a clear direction when I was 26. I was just, I want to get out there. And probably back then, it was definitely a reason why I've done lots of things in a very high pace, in a very pace environment. Because you were like actively searching, right? Yes, I was actively searching. And when I quit my job, finally, when I was 26, I didn't have a plan. It was just like I was jumping in the cold water and I was leaving a very safe environment, you know. And I think six months before I quit my job, I just got promoted in a very, it was an amazing opportunity, to be honest. Like most of my colleagues, they actually weren't overtaken by the, comp by the company or they got amongst us not great positions. I would have never done that, not even for the biggest money, never, right, ever. Right. But I got a new position that was just made for myself next to our CEOs in the company. Mm -hmm. I just got nominated as the um, top 30 under 30 journalists. And it was great. But this was actually the day I resigned. I mean, that's you felt powerful, right? You felt in a certain way receiving this reward, receiving those successes. You felt like, now I can do it all. So in a way that empowered you to go independent, you had this validation. Yeah, and I think um, I had validation that was great, but that doesn't pay bills. That's for sure. And not even if you're on the Forbes list. You don't have money just because you're on the Forbes list. <laughs> but... I realized that I was always able to build a strong network. And also during my job, I mean, all my other colleagues, they were meeting the same people, but did they have the same kind of relationships to them? I was collecting business cards like crazy back then, you know. I knew like whenever I have an idea, there was some person that could help me. And this strong network, this was something I was heavily relying on. Mm -hmm. And I also trusted myself that whatever I'm going to do in my life, that for some reason it will be good. And quitting this job was the biggest liberation for me, even though my colleagues were inspiring and amazing and the job for other right. people would be great, but right, not right. for me. Right. Maybe before we talk about like what happened after that, I'm just trying to understand what goes behind the scenes? Like what kind of work goes behind the scenes? Because now you're one of the leading voices in the digital scene in Germany. What do people not see what goes like into that work? Yeah, I I mean, this is funny because many people ask me, so where do I seek my inspiration from? Because basically I'm putting out content every day. And the truth is I'm consuming information and news, but my kind of news, not like only politics, etc. But we will come to that. I'm doing that every day. I think I can, it's far hard for me to really take a break or distinguish, okay, now I'm not doing it or now I'm doing this because it's an ongoing process. And the way I do it is I'm a heavy fan of newsletter reading. 
So newsletter, of course, not advertisements, but very niche expert topics, mostly from, from the US. But it, because I think newsletters in the US, they're big and um, there are so many amazing authors out there. And I would even say authors and journalists and not really newsletter publishers. To me, it's much more. And this is also something I'm basically doing with my own newsletter to really create a new form of magazine. And when I dropped the German press agency, I always had this dream to create my own media publishing house. And of course, no clue, no background. I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to do it. And also two things. I didn't want to run a fucking big team because I knew then I become a manager and then I don't have time for the content Interesting, because yeah. I was realizing that All my CEOs and my uh, my bosses, they were amazing journalists, but they were managing and they were not putting out content the anymore. Fear, the fear of a content creator, right? Yes. The moment that you become a manager exactly. and then the moment you're not a creator anymore. Exactly. And also I realized very early on that if you have a big team, then you also have to care about them all the time. And also there was no COVID back then. The chances are much better now, but probably you have to be in a certain place. And I always wanted to be independent, also depending on the location I work from. Right. And back to the question, what goes behind the scenes? Um, I think subconsciously a lot of strategic work, where do I go? Where do I want to go? What don't I want to do? And this is a constant reflection process. And sometimes it's driving me nuts, but I'm doing this Every week, every week I'm writing down, where am I now? Where do I want to go? Am I still on track? Strategic moves, other people from outside, they will never understand. But this is a very important part next to the content creation. Mm. Then, as I said, consuming content a lot and making sure that I don't forget it. I think my brain works a little bit like an Excel sheet because I have my own order i think other people also for, for me very hard sometimes to delegate i needed to learn it um that people who support me with content now to give them like a framework where my content is and it really meant to organize my content not only in my head but like okay this is a place this is where i store my ideas this is where i publish this is here this is there and i remember Three years ago, when I started to uh, collaborate with my first um, student, she was helping me on Instagram. <laughs> I think she was completely confused. Like, what the fuck, Laura? What are you doing? Like, you have so much content. <laughs> And this was a process for me also in the managing direction, but also great for me. You know, if you're, you're tidy, tidying up your head and your, your outer world, you right, get right. also tidied up inside. And But then again, it's part of your creative process, as a, right? To have this like in your in your head to, yes. to explore it. it. There has to be maybe the masses part of it, actually, of the content creation. So maybe 100%. this is your approach. I don't know if many writers that we see like from the last century that they were very organized. If you read about the biographies, like they were everything but yeah. they were actual mess. Yes, <laughs> but when you read the text, it's very structured. Absolutely, and yeah. So I think this is the beauty of creativity. But yeah, back to the question, what also happened? So next to the content consuming, next to the strategic decisions, there is sales, there is marketing, there is basically hosting and executing all these things. Mm -hmm. So for instance, in September, I was um, doing an amazing project with Audi together for new work. And I've managed everything, you know in the background next to the content creation. And then also hiring people. This was also my business. And Yeah, I mean, I have a very small team of five people working with me, which is amazing. 
and they are highly efficient. And if not, then we need to sep go separate ways because for me, it really doesn't make time to waste time on people I have to manage, but they don't make a difference. And I also only want to work with people who really are committed for the topic, not for me. I don't want fans, you know, <laughs> because I don't feel comfortable with fans. Right, I really right. want people who think, okay, whatever Laura is talking about, I also want to contribute to this topic and yeah, not to Laura. They're passionate about it. Yeah. yeah. With the part of the character, because there's a lot of, you had to learn a lot of things. What you said about, it was just on the go, picking up those things, you know, as you said, building a business, being entrepreneur, sales, pitching to people, like you were just picking this up on the go pretty much as you went independent. Um, so what part of the character uh, you think were and still is like defining in your continued success? Is it that you're a go-getter? Is it maybe fast thinking? What do you think in like that mm -hmm. part of you that also make you stand out when you're, you know, set against maybe other content creators or journalists? Yeah, I love that question. I think, um, and women need to be bold as well. <laughs> so I think what I'm really good at is networking. And networking is a very like casual term, you know, like, oh, she knows someone. But for me, networking really means I know a lot of people And I know exactly to whom I need to talk to to get a certain information. This is also the job of a journalist. But I really execute on this. So when I, as I said, have a project in mind, it doesn't take me a lot of time to create a small team or this small organ of people that I need to fulfill this goal. So I think this is something I'm very strong at. And also I'm very fast. And my boyfriend always says, when I have something in mind, I'm hyper-focused. So the world can get destroyed. There can be, I don't know, World War III, hopefully never coming. But I will still be in front of my computer, staring there and, I don't know, like Being writing tunnel, my articles. Yeah. And yeah. I think this is also something I learned during the German press agency because we always had our laptop. We never had proper offices when we were on um, appointments somewhere, you know, and we were sitting at the G7 summit in Brussels, 4 a.m. in the morning, 5,000 journalists around us. And we were hyper-focused because if there's one spelling mistake, one changed number, one wrong quote from a politic politician, you're fucked, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think being hyper-focused and really committing, okay, what do I want now? And I have 10 minutes to deliver, do it. And Amazing. This is something I'm also pretty good at, I would say. And yeah, and, and maybe one, one other thing is I never feel too uncomfortable to ask people. You don't know how, my, how much I ask. And looking back, I mean, when I'm telling you this, it's all quality of, of, of a journalist, I would say. That's Having true, right? a good network, ask questions, no matter if they feel stupid or not, be hyper-focused and execute fast. Amazing. Yeah, that sounds, uh, that sounds what especially I think as women we should always encourage to do because a lot of I feel like women especially just starting then in their careers they feel bad they don't want to take some time of someone they don't want to ask like a stupid question you know and it's just I love you know when you're in the environment where people are like look there's no stupid questions there's nothing which will go wrong like take the time be bold like take ownership and I think it's such an encouraging and it takes efforts and I think it's also there's a cultural aspect to it there's a lot of cultures where it's considered as bad And when you spoke about the States, this is considered as great. So there's a lot of things we can learn from the States and also bring to Europe is this kind of be a go-getter, build a network, be purposeful. But also, if you ask for something, also give back, which I think yes, is also course. very important because sometimes 
this also this network ends up being transactional because people ask continuously, but they don't give back. And I think that's important kind of very, circulation. Very important. Yeah. So how do you give back? This is a very good question because um, you know I've also mentors in my life. Some really appeared randomly, and we nominated them to be my mentor. Others I really asked proactively, but. One lesson learned from a very early age on was what, by one of my mentors who said, I will do it for you because I want to support you and I believe in your journey. But one thing I learned from my mentor back then is you give and you receive. And so whenever someone really does me a big favor and even maybe before the favor happened and I asked for the favor, I always say, hey, and please, if I can do anything for you, if there is a connection you need, if... I don't know, you're sick and you need help and you need food I can deliver, please let me know. And it never has to be the craziest favor in the world, you know. Sometimes the little things are the Absolutely. one that sticks. And also it can be that this person asked me in five years and I will never forget. Also one thing, I never forget things. I really remember all the details. And especially when there is a project and I know that fuck, like I was so busy back then and I always wanted to return the favor three years ago, five years ago. I remember that person and I text this person again when I feel that she or him needs my help. That's important yeah. characteristic. That's a very people characteristic. But I wanted also to speak about the column that you're still writing ongoingly for Business Insider on self-optimization. And I was, when we spoke about like the content you're passionate about, topics you're passionate about, was self-optimization when you were like, this is it, I'm so curious about this topic. And you were like, I cannot stop not writing about it. Like, tell me how you got started on that. Uh, yeah, so we also have to go back to my childhood because my mom is a coach. And it's very hard to talk about the weather <laughs> with my mom. It always ends up in like some psychological questions, philosophical questions, I don't know. <laughs> so I was reflecting what I'm doing and my own habits and also like the, I would say, things we do automatically and we never realize that we do it. You know, there are so many things. And my mother always brought me to the idea to question things. So, Laura, why are you reacting in that way? Yeah, because. But why? And, you know, like small things. So I got upset. Why? I always got upset. Why? I'm always get upset with a certain type of people. What does that say about myself, you mm. know? So I realized that there are so many things on the surface we never learn in school and we ran in our lives, we are completely unprepared. We think that things are given, that we are not able to change it. And that comes, of course, when we talk about mindset, it comes about nutritional choices. We go to the supermarket, we automatically grab certain foods. Do we read what's inside? Do we know what it does to our bodies? Do we know what workout does to our bodies, but also in a bad way? Is it really good to go to a hit class every morning at 7 a.m. for 60 minutes just because everybody does it? And maybe you're not even the hit type of person, you know? Right, 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 yeah. Um, and... I don't know, like so many, so many things actually. And 
because you can go into this topic forever because there's so many yeah. parts of our body yes. and, and there's still some mysteries, you know, that yes. we, we still don't know how certain cycles of our body still work today. Like scientists yeah. have no idea. It's such a complex system. But then we just say like, ah, who needs sleep? Ah, let me do something intensive. And we don't know the effects of it. Like 10, 15 years later, then people discover something. And like, hmm, I wonder why. And it's so interesting. And like our body functions as a clock. But our expectations, we treat it as a, you know, sometimes as a, like a, a dumpster. Like, ah, let me just do it and I will, you know, recover 100%. next week. And then we're surprised why we're feeling bad, you know. Yeah. And you asked me the question I was so overachieving in my mid-20s. And there were like so many things on autopilot I never realized. And when I was really, I don't know if it was a burnout. I mean, the barriers of is it a burnout or not, they're very vague. But, um, you know, I had severe knee issues for a certain time. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you know um, Gabor Mate. He's a Canadian and Ukrainian physician. And yeah. he's also doing a lot of research in the trauma field. And he discovered like every time there is some pain in your body, it says something about the soul. So mm. for me, going back there, and, and this person is amazing. He's really incredible. And he has so many books. I can highly recommend all of them. And going back to my knee, for instance, so my leg was not able to work anymore. My body didn't want to move forward anymore. My body wanted me to stop. I had knee issues. Right. Another thing, during my 20s, I didn't get my period for six years. What, what did my body tell six me? Six years. You're not able to grow, right? You're not even, if you want to, you're not able to produce more life because you're so on life-saving mode right? Wow. So many things. And how do you know that? How do you know that if nobody tells you? And yes, I have an amazing mother, but so many things are really to need on the hard lesson. And this was definitely one of the reasons I was doing or starting my column, because for me, it was self-reflection mode. And if I don't have the commitment that I have to publish, then I'm very lazy, you know. So it was also for me some sort of, okay, really reflect on what you've learned, put it on a piece of paper. It was liberation for myself as well. And then share it with the world. Amazing. Because ideally other people also learn. Right. right. What, are, what are some of your favorite like tips? What is something that you would say, okay, that was maybe something minor that didn't have an effect, but what are the ones that you said, like this changed my life completely? Like, yeah, I would say hundred percent nutrition mm. that changed my life. But if we start talking about that, then we will go sit here for yeah, five hours. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, recently, actually one week ago, I had another epiphany when it comes to nutrition. Um, I was tracking my glucose levels uh, for two weeks. How did you tr do that? It was amazing. It was like a small sensor in my arm and it was connected to an app. I know it sounds very science fiction and also, I was a little bit worried about like, okay, I have a sensor in my arm that is connected to my phone. Can that be healthy? I mean, Bluetooth, <laughs> can I really sleep? Yeah. But didn't affect my sleep, thank God. And it was very interesting, for instance, how I really saw that when I'm drinking my cappuccino with oat milk in the morning, that my glucose levels are increasing on a very fast pace, like increasing a lot but crashing after 20 minutes no surprise that i was dead tired afterwards but i was never going back to the oat milk right i was right. like this is espresso but mm. then i did like various experiences sprout milk plain espresso eating eggs instead of like 
banana smoothie, whatever, mm-hmm. energy levels stayed the same. And the sugar we put in our bodies is so dangerous when we're not aware of it. But you think, oh, I'm having an acai bowl with oatmeal cappuccino. I feel so healthy. And then I go to my yoga class. The worst thing you can do to your body, according <gasps> to the glucose studies. Oh, my. So, yes, definitely food. I would also consider myself 90% vegan. I am never strict and hard on something. Mm-hmm. I always have my 10% where I eat and I love fish. I don't really eat meat at the moment. Maybe in five years you ask me, I eat meat again. I don't know. I'm very easygoing with that. But for the moment, this is my my way of feeling very good. And mm-hmm. oh my God, there are so many things that food can destroy or do for your energy levels. So yeah. this is definitely th- something that I that I changed and that I'm obsessed about. I think if I don't, if I wouldn't do um, pure content creation, I would probably start a food startup. I'm really obsessed with food. (laughs) You put me in a grocery store, I read all the ingredients, I'm going to be there for 30 minutes and my boyfriend is always like, Laura... It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, it. it's important. What we eat is what we are. So 100%. that makes sense. So that's nutrition. What other things that you felt that was like life changing? So I think definitely one life changing experience was my ayahuasca trip in Brazil. An actual ayahuasca trip. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that can be both good and also intense. I heard like yeah. both sides of the stories. For me, it was very... I would say positive. I think it's always positive. Even if the experience itself is terrible. And for those people who don't know it, it's like a plant from the Amazon and you drink it in the form of like a tea. And it can be very deliberating in terms of many emotions arise. Some people vomit because it's very crazy and very hard experience to go back through the pain you've created in your life etc i've done it in brazil with a woman she was also brazilian and we've done it in our in our her house and the house was um next to the ocean and before we went to the ceremony we walked along the beach and the beach was beautiful and the sunset was beautiful but i saw like some black stones or at least it looked like stones but it turned out it was oil and shortly before I went in the ceremony I had this feeling of sadness that we were destroying our Mm. environment and there was like this big oil catastrophe in Brazil back then Mm -hmm. in 2019 where like all the birds and all the animals they got polluted And I felt a very, very strong connection to the environment. And I was crying a lot because I realized that we are part of this planet and that we are the planet and that we are on the same levels like animals and plants and trees. And it's so hard to explain my feeling, but I've never felt more aligned and no, I've never felt more like the planet itself. Right. And everybody for me was the same. And there was like Mm. so much love inside of me. But at the same time, I realized we are destroying ourselves. When we are destroying the planet, we are basically destroying ourselves. And yeah, I think like these psychedelic experiences, ayahuasca, I've also tried uh, mushrooms, also tried LSD, not in Germany, of course. (laughs) This can be eye-opening. 
I never recommend it to someone. It's mm. always one's choice. Absolutely, yeah. But for me, I know when I have a calling to do it or when I feel, no, everything is okay and I don't need it, mm -hmm. right? And I, I would also say it's so heavily underrated in our society and politics um, did a great job to say it's all drugs and people get fucked and wasted. And I think ugh, there are so many things, you know, food, psychedelics, like so many things, you realize that the government or the history of human being, they want to keep people dumb. They feed trash. They feed mm. sugar. They forbid people taking ayahuasca, for instance. They put them in jail for things that are eye-opening and that really lead to a society that can speak up and have a free mind. But this is not what the system wants, you know? Of course. I mean, you want everyone to be part of the system. Yeah. But with that experience, I mean, to that ayahuasca trip, so when you left that, in what way that impacted you? Did you want to change certain patterns in your life? Did it inspire you to change how you treat the environment? Like, how did you take that experience from ayahuasca and applied it in your life? Yeah, I think it's a myth that you do it and the whole life changes. But even though it's already three years ago, it has a massive impact so within myself. And I think there are subconscious things I do over and over again. So I think it was after ayahuasca that I really followed the vegan path because mm. I realized I don't want to do this to animals anymore. Right. As I said, you know, I still eat fish. There is a debate between Laura wants it and Laura knows. Right, and right, Laura right. feels. Right. And I'm not a, I'm, I'm a human being. I'm not a robot. Yeah. But definitely I can follow certain choices much more consciously. And I bring it back to my mind whenever it's possible. But of mm. course, I also have tired days, you know, like I've my, my whole philosophy in my mind. I'm tired. Like, come on, glucose. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. A of course. Of course. Ah, oh, you ask, oh, what is that? Meat. You know, I'm a human. That's fine. But I think what really is something that sticks to my mind, especially after Ayahuasca, is this connection with the planet. And also that one of my dreams is definitely that I want all the politicians to do the Ayahuasca for them to realize <laughs> that there are so many things in their mind. It doesn't have to be environment only, even though my wish was also that Bolsonaro maybe goes on a plant journey um, <laughs> to stop is just destroying the environment. But to understand that there are some things we can never feel unless we are like the super yogis and high on meditation. Maybe yeah. then that's possible, but it's hard to achieve that there are so many things in our subconscious mind that we can never understand on the yeah. surface if we are not tapping in this field and if we are not allowing ourselves to do it. Right, because they're fully blocked. And I mean, with a very high intensity yes. life where you have nine to five job and you have all those responsibilities, yeah. you block those because yeah. they distract you from that mission that yes. you have on a weekly basis. But and those also things, because yeah. other people tell you what to do and, right, oh, right. Well, success is so important and I want to be like them. And, you know, and you never allow yourself to stop. And you, like my dad, for instance, he retired at the age of 55. And now all the people are asking, me, so what are you doing? And he said, I'm doing nothing. You're doing nothing. So in, in society, it's not accepted to do nothing. Yeah. And for him, it's like, I'm the, I'm the freest man. 
yeah every I, morning i decide what i'm gonna do so, so many things to do besides that 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 or even not task. to do yeah you know yeah, yeah so i think definitely one learning from the ayahuasca was that more time for myself and stepping away back and not continuing this always high achieving path i still feel myself like a very ambitious person but in a much more healthy way right right and right. this was a very big learning yeah and another big learning and a chapter in your life which is probably even more like sweeping you off the feet which is motherhood it's uh, it's actually was quite when I was reading, it was quite an unexpected chapter in your life, which is which is also very interesting because I feel like you're the person who is like, okay, I have this plan. I have, as you said, you reflect, you plan everything. So when I was reading unexpected, I was like, hmm, that was interesting. So how did you discover the pregnancy and how do you find yourself this year as a, as a mother? Mm. Probably that's very enlightening, new journey for yourself and new you, right? Yeah, 100%. So yes, when I found out that I was pregnant, I was really scared. I was like, oh, my independence. I worked so hard. It's going to be destroyed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was really concerned about, yeah, what will the future bring? Um, I heard like horror stories from other women. They can never follow their jobs. You know, they are fully available for their children. They can not go to sports anymore. They cannot travel. They cannot work. They cannot do good things for themselves. They can never go in the spa anymore. <laughs> like, they don't have a life. Yeah. And then something really nice happened because I all, I had all these negative images in my head and what society always tells you, most of them, to be honest, I mean, there are always other people, but the common sense is definitely a very negative picture, that I realized my boyfriend is uh, supporting me so much, you know, like it was, he was overachieving already right. during pregnancy. I was the queen. He has done everything for Amazing. me. Amazing. Yes. So you guys are like a team, basically. It's the best. Yeah. You know, like I come back home, Laura, I booked a massage for you later. Six o'clock, stop working now. I was working a lot during pregnancy also because I was preparing everything for my <laughs> for my shutdown. <laughs> right, right. And also it was when you were working and launching Smart Chiefs, right? Yes, exactly. Um, I was I was working on Smart Chiefs and I was launching my first cohort online. You know, it was a brand new project for me. I've never done it before. But everybody tells you during pregnancy, you definitely need to take at least one or two weeks off as a couple because it's going to be the last. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so uh, my boyfriend um, so originally, or he has roots in Morocco and he said, come on, Laura, let's fly to Morocco. And I was like, no, sorry, I cannot because I have to work. So he was basically organizing everything in Morocco. He was like, okay, I have the perfect hotel for you, perfect Wi-Fi connection, everything is stable. I even organized a second SIM card for you just in case the Wi-Fi cracks down. What a guy. Um, and then whenever I was sitting in front of the laptop, he was bringing me food from the other Riyads and it was amazing. So that was like the first time in my life that I really acknowledged and realized if you trust on other people and I'm not a self-player anymore i'm not my one man show one woman show anymore you can relax much more mm -hmm. and you can be much more yourself and wow you can rely on other people because this was definitely a big learning for me that i was always a one woman show and that working with other people was a pain in the ass for me because they were too slowly mm. they were um not we were not on the same pace you know um i had right. to explain everything and here you have a partner who's like i take care of it i'm your rock basically yes, but he was also brilliant in 
autonomous thinking, you know. I, I don't need to explain what I mean. He's like ahead you know, of you, like two yes. steps ahead of you. Yes. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. Also job-wise, like last week we had this discussion about my newsletter. He was like, Laura, I think you, sh you should change um, your the platform you're sending it. I'm currently at Substack. I already researched new stuff for you. I think this is better. This is better. And also, I, li I don't like the, the headline of your newsletter. I think you should change it to this, you know, like... It's amazing. And I, I love him for so many things, but also that he showed me that being a team is something amazing. And then when we gave birth to our daughter, that was, I think, the very first time in my life for at least four or five months that I never forced myself to work. And I was like, I feel so liberated. Hmm. And I felt even more independent than before, even though I was working less. But it was like I was lying in my own chains before. And then I had the baby and I was like, everything I do is already a lot. Even if I do one call today or even if I go to the shop next door and buy some clothes for my daughter, it's a lot. Full day activity. <laughs> yes, because in my mind, there was like women don't do anything when they get a baby. Then they're completely overwhelmed <laughs> and stressed out. And so I was really proud of myself how I did everything on my own pace. And I was able to spend quality time with my daughter. And I'm still doing it. And now being here is is also amazing because he spending time with her. And it's also for me... A journey to let go, you know, mm -hmm. and and being able to learn it. So I, th I think she was anyways the biggest gift in my life. And all the images and horror stories, they just never turned to, out to be my reality. That's Not my, I mean, yeah. maybe others, difficult, right. different situation. But I'm still traveling. I take her with me everywhere. We are working together. I work less so so less much less than before but i get much more shit done mm -hmm. yeah and i'm free still i managed to build a team because i needed to learn how to delegate because i cannot do anything everything by myself anymore first time that i hired three new team members and yeah i think if we were talking about what's good what's not there are only good things That's, I mean, I'm super happy for you and yeah. hearing that and also sharing the good experience because, you know, when I also had in mind, like, how does that day look like? And it's just, it really falls into places, as you said, with the daughter. And I had, I was, had another guest on the podcast, Katie Campbell, and she also said when she got had a baby, she suddenly like, she prioritized things suddenly yeah. so much better yeah. because you have only this amount of time. And she suddenly, I, I just, I'm so efficient. Like it's fascinating, but it's also like those fears, right? You actually have a, like a new good friend on your side, a supporter. And I think, um, sometimes always smiling at me. Oh, that's so sweet. And it's like, <laughs> and breaking a little bit those, um, prejudice that are there around pregnancy and motherhood which still exist in our society, unfortunately. And it's great to see someone like you who was extremely independent, who wanted to be like self-efficient, like uh, always optimizing. And having now a child, you by your own example show that this is fine and I still get to be myself. It's not like yeah. you're changed, right? You're still... I, I was worried about that. Right. I thought I'm going to be a new person. I'm not going to be the old Laura I like, but I became <laughs> a much better Laura, to be honest. I feel the same but I have much better qualities than before. And 
looking back, I realized that I was very hard on myself all the time and that I never really allowed myself to have, you know, space and freedom for creativity, etc. Right. Even though my job was very creative, but now I'm like, ugh, you know, I have yeah. so many good excuses to say no to other yeah. people. Just letting go. I just go want to do bit. what I love. I've, I mean, of course, the, there are super stressful times, and yeah. I don't sleep. And <laughs> yeah, you. you I mean, today, today it seems like you had a good sleep. <laughs> yeah, today was okay. Every morning, my boyfriend, how was the night? <laughs> today was good. That's good to hear. As we wrap up our conversation, before I get to the last question, I was curious to hear. I mean. What's ahead of you? What are you planning? What uh, you envision yourself uh, maybe next year? Yeah, so I built Smart Chiefs. We never really talked about that, but I, I mentioned the newsletter and it's called Smart Chiefs. And for me, it's the heart of my media company mm -hmm. I'm building. And I definitely want to do a next um, cohort next year. Mm -hmm. And When you speak about cohort, what do you mean by that? So it's more like an online bootcamp together with other business leaders. Probably the content will be again around storytelling and content creation because the idea and the philosophy of Smart Chiefs is that we as modern business leaders, we need new tools to achieve and to rise. And back in the days, it was all about marketing, sales, etc. For me now, it's habit building, being able to focus and prioritize being able to storytell. So storytelling will be one course we're launching next year. Again, we've done it last year. And this year also, I was heavily convinced that I'm going to do two courses. I was like, ah, I'm not doing one. <laughs> so also good to change plans and be very flexible about it because I wanted to spend more time with my daughter and not working all the time. So definitely next year, this will um, going to happen. I of course, want to grow my newsletter um, subscription base. And I not only want to grow it, I really want to build a community around it. And I once read a quote, which is amazing and perfectly explains what I want to do. If there is a startup um, and they have a product, they want to build an audience for the product. But community is not about building a product that helps people. A community is creating a space where people help each other. Mm -hmm. And this is what I want to do with Smart Chiefs. And the term Smart Chiefs is also on purpose because for me, it represents a group of mm -hmm. Smart Chiefs. And I want these Smart Chiefs to meet each other. So this is enough. Yep. actually the idea I'm working on. How can I create that space outside of my newsletter, outside of the online court to really create an environment where modern business leaders with modern thinking meet, exchange, connect. Amazing. So that's ahead. So this is what the team is working on. Yes. Yeah. That's exciting. So that will brain. be. <laughs> so that will be also. Will it be um, virtual? Will it be in person? How do you want to build that? Envision that community. Depends. I think there are different concepts, and we know with with the pandemic, we need to have both. But my dream definitely is to also make it in person. Amazing. 
I'll keep my eyes open and I'm sure there's a lot of exciting things ahead. So um, definitely something to yeah keep the eyes and ears open about. So my last question is always about women authors of achievement. Uh, it's actually interesting because it rhythms very well, smart chiefs, women authors of achievement. <laughs> so it's also about women who are kind of, uh, they define their own success. They define their own achievements and it doesn't have to be huge. It's small and, and bigger achievements, right? It's just reflecting and uh, recognizing that. And every guest on the podcast is a woman of her own achievements. And I always ask at the end, who is the woman for you? So who would you like to give a spotlight in this episode, Laura? <laughs> Maybe to my daughter. She is the highest achieving woman I know at the moment. <laughs> it's incredible how really how she grows so fast. And, you know, eight months ago, she was doing nothing. She was just lying down and drinking. And now she's pulling herself up. Um, she has her own personality, her own character. She's crawling. She's sitting. She is so fast. Like, it's incredible. And never compare one child to the other. Mother's daughter here. <laughs> I know, but she is insane, <laughs> really. And I really get inspired by her every day because she is constantly, when she doesn't manage to do one thing, she is trying and trying and falling and trying and trying and so many things, the same thing. And she's persistent and every baby is, and we've been babies back then. So why do we forget sometimes that back then we were the same and so now true. we forgot that we've been that person. So definitely a big learning. We all should reflect on once we were babies and we were able to go from nothing to hero to standing to walking to eating by ourselves. Nobody tells us. Nobody has shown us. We just do it by copying each other. So whatever we want to do, whatever we want to be, there's some person we look at and we, in theory, are able to copy mm -hmm. and do the same. So there's no excuse to not achieve. That's a nice motivation. And if you fall, and if you fall a couple of times, you can always stand up and try again. And I think... That's a nice one because also the children and how they are creative and how they visualize world and how they're boundaryless. That comes probably a later stage uh, with your daughter. But this idea of not giving up and sometimes in our society, this failure culture is not embraced. It's either considered something bad. It's so refreshing. So you have a little reminder on your side, a little motivator. That's fantastic. And Laura, thank you so much for today's conversation. I think I really wanted to get to know you and you're doing so many things. And as we said, you're quite a known voice in the German scene. But also, I think for me, it was important to understand who's that person behind it and what's, you know, what are your interests? What's ahead of you? What are you building? And it's just so exciting. I think that you are real inspiration when it comes to maintaining that character that person has. You can be a go-getter, you can be independent, but also reflecting and finding new virtues I think that's beautiful and that's hopefully inspiring to everyone else out there that has sometimes questions or concerns whether they can have and balance a couple of plates. I think it, it is possible, right? It's just making sure that those plates are not too heavy. So thank exactly. you so much for being on my podcast. Thank you so much, Dalia. And thank you for everybody who's listening. <laughs> Until <laughs> the you. end. Thank you for joining us today. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a review. We're always excited to read them. 
If you want to interact with us, the guests or the podcast listeners, then head over to our Instagram page at waa.berlin. And while you're there, make sure to check our webshop. Thank you again for listening, and we're looking forward to being back soon.